What's up, Hogland Nation? You know we gotta tell you about Mr. T's Tuxedos. Do you or someone you know have a wedding, formal, prom, or big event coming up soon? Well, lucky for you, we have you covered. Mr. T's Tuxedos has the best suits and tuxedos in the area, and will have you looking your best for your big day. With their main store located in Minersville, PA, they also offer fitting services located in Center City, Philly, as well as on-site fittings at your preferred location. Make sure to mention that Hogline sent you when you visit in-store or reach out with an inquiry. To take a look at their catalog and for more information on all that Mr. T's Tuxedos has to offer, visit MrT'sTux.com. That's M-R-T-S-T-U-X.com. And remember, you only have one shot at looking your best. Be sure to take it with Mr. T's Tuxedos. What's going on, Hogline Nation? Welcome back to the Hogline Podcast. I'm your host, Mitchell Manis, alongside my co-hosts, Jack Manis and Andrew Treffler. Welcome back, Hogline Nation. You are listening to the 258th episode of the podcast. Jack returns. We missed him. Yes, you are. Um, He was in Pittsburgh last week. Went to two Steelers games in a row. Will not be going this week, but um, a lot of football to discuss. And we can jump right into it if you guys are ready. Hope you are. Hope you came ready. Yeah. Football. Shreff's Eagles beat the Cowboys 28-23. to It was a close game pretty much all the way throughout. And both quarterbacks played well. For the most part, but Shreff, tell us what you what you thought. Um, did you ever lose confidence throughout the way? Cowboys were up a little bit at halftime. So, what what was your uh, game day experience? Yeah, this one is this was. Easy. I mean, they've the Eagles have played some weird games this year. This was by far the weirdest. Um, I my I had two overarching points that I that I kind of came away with. One, I felt like neither team deserved to win that game. Um, and two, I would say so far out of what I've seen, um, I think Dallas is going to give them is going to give the Eagles a, a good run for their money going forward, uh, at least for this season. So, for what I mean by, um, I don't think either team deserved to win. On the Eagles side, I thought uh, the secondary was, I mean, just like ridiculously bad, like as bad as you could possibly get. I thought. They got lucky a few times with um, some calls slash non-calls. Um, and, yeah, I just thought, I mean, I, I thought the offense was able to do what I would hope they could do against a defense of that caliber. Obviously, they, they didn't, like, light up the scoreboard by any means, but I thought they were able to move the ball pretty consistently. Um, so I was happy with that. Defense was awful. Um, Dallas, on the other side, I thought, um, I thought Dak played a fantastic game. I thought he looked great. Um, but on the flip side, I thought that Dallas couldn't get, couldn't get off the field on third down. And I talked about some of the refereeing that went down where I thought it benefited Philadelphia greatly throughout a decent amount of the game. The refs tried to do everything they could to give Dallas a chance, uh, down the stretch there. And they simply didn't take advantage of it. I, um, here I bookmarked tweet here. Um, on the last drive or sorry, 
They had Cowboys had first and goal from the six yard line with 27 seconds left. Um, they proceeded to go false start, sack, incompletion, delay of game, and then the last throw where CD came up a couple yards short. So that's kind of where I'm coming from, where I said that I thought like neither team deserved to win that game, as I thought the Eagles had every chance to close it out, didn't do that. And then Dallas uh, obviously allowed them to get out to that lead, but then also could not, uh, you know, make the plays when they needed to to win it. So it was a sloppy game. It was a just a poorly refereed game, I thought, all around. Um, in terms of individual stuff, uh, I am going to start with the Eagles secondary. Um, I thought uh, I actually watched a clip that uh, Dan Orlovsky was talking about that I definitely agreed with. Um, I James Bradbury has certainly lost a step. Um, I thought he was getting beat uh, pretty much all game. Uh, double moves, he doesn't have it anymore to, to cover him. It, it, it just felt – it wasn't good. There was a lot of uh, – there was a lot of Dak um, kind of scrambling out of the pocket, and it almost felt like Bradbury like forgot that he had to stay on his man. There were two off the top of my head, including the one touchdown that he let up, where it wasn't even like he got beat off of a move. It was like he had him covered and then just like forgot to play through the whistle, and just by the time Dak threw the ball, he was nowhere to be seen in coverage. The flip side of that and what Orlovsky was highlighting is, and this is completely on Sean Desai, um, the matchups that they – decided to put out there throughout the entire game were some of the most confusing things I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, in multiple situations, you had the likes of Eli Ricks, who's an undrafted free agent, corner, Sidney Brown, who's a third-round safety, not a corner, and Kevin Byard, who's a 31-year-old uh, safety. Um, all three of those guys at one point had to cover C.D. Lamb in the slot um, in man coverage. Uh, I understand that Darius Slay is an outside guy, um, but the last drive of the game, apparently Slay told Desai, like, I'm shadowing him. I don't understand with the lack of talent that you have on this cornerback roster. Like, I don't understand how that wasn't a thought earlier on in the game. I know that CD still got his when Slay was covering him, but I'd like to think that it might have been a little less uh, absurd if you would have stayed on him for more of the game. So... That was one thing, it just, and it, it's kind of been a theme, it feels like, throughout this whole year. Like, they have some young talent that I could see developing over the next, like, year or two, but it it's mind-boggling to me that, that they went into that game thinking that they could just put Eli Ricks on C.D. Lamb in the slot and be like, all right, this will be, this will be fine, this will work. Um, so that, I mean, the secondary's been a problem pretty much this entire season. I don't, I don't really see how it really gets better. Going like going forward, unless they can really like make some adjustments in terms of how they're lining up against some of these teams, because I'm already thinking all like right off the top of my head like they're gonna get the Chiefs, they're gonna get the Bills, still gotta play Dallas again. Like Niners with D, like all these teams have legit threats uh, in terms of pass catchers, and they they need to come out with a better game plan to defend these guys. Like it it was unacceptable at certain parts of the game. Like it was. It got to the point where it would be like a third and 12, a third and 13, and I would think to myself like, yeah, they're going to get this just because I had, like, had absolutely zero faith in what the secondary was bringing. Um, so that was, I mean, in terms of the Eagles as a whole, I thought that was by far the worst part of the game they played. Um, on the offensive side, they, they struggled to get the run game going, which was something that I kind of expected. I mean, like I said, I, I, I tempered my expectations for this offense going in simply because of this Dallas defense. I respect them greatly in terms of what they've been able to do so far this season. And I thought 
throughout multiple parts of the game, they were able to, you know, prove why they are as good as they are. Um, so the run game wasn't working. I thought Jalen Hurts, uh, all things considered, um, had that weird uh, little knee, got banged up, going into halftime, came back out and played the whole second half. Um, I thought for the most part he looked pretty good. Uh, definitely missed some throws here and there, but I thought on third down he was fantastic. I thought the throw to Devontae Smith was one of the better throws I've seen him make, just put it in the bucket exactly where it needed to be. Um, so for me, I mean, the offense was in no way an issue. If I had to complain about anything on the offensive side, I thought they, I thought they let off their, I thought they let their foot off the gas a little bit, um, going into like the end of the third, fourth quarter, a uh, couple three and outs where, um, I mean, it, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. It was just like the run game wasn't working, and instead of trying to maybe extend the lead a little bit and make Dallas like really have to sweat to come back, they were just kind. of, It seemed like they were okay taking three and outs and just trying to chew off a little bit of clock and giving Dallas as many possessions as they wanted to, which considering how the secondary played, I don't understand how that was a thought process. Um, See, so yeah, I mean, those are my main thoughts. I thought the defensive line showed up exactly when they had to. Uh, Terrence Steele at right tackle for Dallas got got beat like all night. Uh, Hassan Reddick was doing it. Brandon Graham was doing it. Josh Sweat was doing it. They, the, I thought throughout most of the game, uh, four out of five Dallas linemen kind of dominated that game, but they were lucky enough where one of their five guys was clearly not playing their best game and they took advantage of it. So, I mean, I don't know. I guess my overall thoughts is I, I didn't really, I didn't really get to gauge who I think the better team is between the two. Um, I don't know if you guys will have different thoughts on that. It, it, it felt like kind of a wash to me, even though the Eagles got the win. Um, certainly not mad about a win. Uh, especially going into a bye week where, you know, a, a loss in that game in that sort of fashion would have been a tough pill to swallow going into a full week off and then having to play Kansas City. So, I mean, at least for morale, I'm very happy that they won the game. But uh, in terms of overall feelings, I didn't really learn anything new um, out of this. It feels like when they play next time, it's going to be a close game again. And as of now, I'd, I'd have to assume that they're going to play in the playoffs, and I think that'll be a close game again. So, Two two pretty evenly matched teams, I would say. Well, for their sake, you know, glad they didn't lose because when you guys lost to the Jets, the Ember, they they thought the world was ending. So if they would have lost to the oh, Cowboys okay. at home, probably would have been uh, the worst thing ever to happen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even if they ended up the way that game went, even if they ended up losing it, I would have been like severely disappointed, obviously. But like I said, I, I really didn't feel like either team deserved to win that game. So if they would have lost, it would have been like, all right, like, yeah, they just, it, it happens. But I mean, obviously we would have been quite upset about it. Right. Um, I guess the only thing I want to mention is, you know, Dallas Goddard expected to miss a month plus now with a, a forearm injury. How do you think uh, they'll adjust and how significant will his loss be um, in your eyes as a tertiary receiving option for this offense? Uh, it's, it's definitely a concern. I mean, the good news is that they, they know how to do it. They had to do it last year for pretty much the same exact amount of time. And I think, I think he got hurt the same week last year. I think it was week, it was the Washington game week nine where they lost and he got hurt and was out for about four weeks. So they, I mean, they know how to navigate it. It seems obviously it's a big loss. It feels like every week he's kind of been getting more and more involved in the offense, so certainly tough timing. Um, I The one interesting thing is that it's someone that I feel like everyone forgot about, but they do have Albert O on their team. 
So, I mean, not that I think he's going to be able to come in and like replace Goddard, but I'm at least excited to see if he like still has any value at all as like a more of a receiving tight end. Um, so that'll be interesting. It's clearly a loss. Um, and it's something that they're going to have to, you know, figure out. I'm sure we'll see Devonte and AJ probably get more looks than they were already getting. Um, but I mean, obviously it's a, it's a big loss and especially about as tough of a point of the year as you could have it come considering the future opponents here. But luckily one of these weeks will be negated by a bye week. So not missing four games, at least hopefully maybe only three. Yeah, just looking at the Eagles schedule going forward, I think at the very minimum the the, the to- their record will be uh, twelve and five. You know that we we all we've talked a lot about the stretch that they're about to go through and are currently in, but ending the year with the Giants, Cardinals, and Giants. I mean, I know you could say, oh, it's the Giants division opponent, but there's this year's different. The Giants are worse than they've ever been, so that's three yeah, wins in my book and i don't yeah. think they're going to get swept in that five game stretch of the tough opponents so i'd say 12 is probably the minimum i could say the 12 and 5 the equals finishing the year at yeah. they did exactly what they had to do going into this bye week stack up the wins against some opponents that you might have felt like were a bit inferior um certainly was a little rocky to get there in some games but i mean i if at the beginning of the season you told me 8 and 1 going into the bye i would be thrilled and i i am thrilled to an extent Jack, do you have any questions, or would you like to move on to the Steelers? Uh, quick, com- quick comment, I guess. I, I, <clears throat> I feel like I saw a little bit of blaming Dak for like falling apart at the end and not winning it for them, which I just don't see how that's true. The only thing that people are pointing to mainly is that when he stepped out of bounds, barely in that two point conversion. But yeah, I don't understand how they're trying to like. Yeah, say that is like that. Like I don't know that. That's just like a football. I don't know. He was buried. He was. He that was happens. Down. Yeah, and on the very last drive, when it comes down to it, like you ran through it, false start on the O line, whoever that at the steal, whoever that was, and then I think it was a delay of game. A delay of game, sack. maybe him. Uh, and then the sack. It was that wasn't. But, him. I mean, it's, I'm pretty sure that was on steal again. So it's like I mean, he. Yeah. Actually, I have I have steals stats on the bookmark here uh, so he let yeah i think it was i think he let up 11 pressures let me make sure uh oh no sorry 12 pressures seven wow. hurries four sacks. oh my gosh like like was, really bad. was he the one was was he on brandon graham and he i feel like brandon graham had like two didn't he have back-to-back sacks on like back-to-back plays maybe had, something like that it was a sack it was a sack and then maybe a half a sack then then th- there was one play i remember off the top of my head where reddick literally just did like a little like Stutter step to the left, cut back in, and used his speed. I don't know if Steele touched him. I don't think he touched him. Yeah, like it, he he played as bad as he could have played, and that's that is one of the reasons why I I thought all things I I thought Dak played a great game. Yeah, and it's just the Cowboys just kind of cowboyed themselves at the end. It's like, mm-hmm. and it's it's clear like on the it's almost like evident how stupid mistakes literally cost them the game where, uh, they had like a. A delay of game issue, which I want to say was McCarthy's fault, but we don't know for certain. Push him back five yards, and then what? CeeDee Lamb was like three yards short of. Yeah, so like I mean that. Yeah, I don't know. It, yeah, it, it it definitely feels weird blaming Dak. I thought yeah. he played about as good as he could have played. Like I mean, I based on some of the things that happened on the last drive, it felt like a very Mike McCarthy esque thing. So yeah. I, I would also lean. I would also lean towards blame maybe going towards him 
Well, I will be visiting a Cowboys fan this weekend, so I will see if he uh, shares that same criticism of Dak or is in agreement with us. That doesn't seem like a very valid pl- a person to lay the blame on. Who? Joe Messina. Yeah, like I've- You're going to Boston? Yes, I am. Oh, Ooh. I didn't know that. Well, Cowboys I- fan in Boston? I guess they are everywhere. For work? No. Just going? For vacation, yeah. Cowboys are 16 and a half point favorites this week against the Giants. So, <laughs> yikes. All right. The Steelers played on Thursday night last week. So, that is a little bit different because usually when we record, it's either probably a Tuesday or Wednesday, and we're only two or three days removed from the game. But now we're almost a week removed. Jack was at the game. Steelers narrowly pull out the victory 20 to 16 against the Titans. I ask this every week, but Jack, do you want me to go first or would you like to go first? Uh, you go first. Okay. First thing I've written down is why can't it be easy? Just once. Why can't it be easy? It never is. We are now 5-0 and in one-score games, and our three losses were not by one score, so... Some could say we're becoming the diet version of the 2022 Minnesota Vikings. We'll see how that plays out for the rest of the year, but every single win we get just seems like we're barely getting it. Uh, the opening drive, I'd say the juice and the uh, just the feeling was just palpable from the opening drive, how we easily drove down the field. 78-yard drive, took nearly five minutes, capped off by a Najee Harris touchdown, so everything seemed to be working out. And it just, I was not accustomed to that feeling of succeeding that early right out of the gates. And from there, the game kind of stalled from the offensive perspective. And that was, I'd say, mainly due to some bad missed throws by Kenny. Um, but when the game needed to be taken, Kenny did it. And the office, offense delivered. Uh, they engineered a 92-yard, 11-play, 5-minute drive in the fourth quarter, leaving, I think, about three or four minutes on the clock for the Titans. Deontay scored his first touchdown since 2021, which is unbelievable to hear that it's taken that long. I, I could be not correct in saying this, but didn't Deontay last year break the re- NFL record for most targets without a touchdown? It was either targets or yards, because he had like 800-something, I think. I think he had like 130 or 140 targets and didn't score. Yeah. So finally got in, t- took till week nine of the of the twenty three season. But hopefully that sparks something and maybe he can, you know, build upon this. I'm still I mean, a lot of people there's a lot of discourse, especially on Jack and my our Twitter timelines about Kenny, because every single thing he does is dissected. I'm still not overly concerned. He took ownership of his inaccurate throws in the beginning portion of the game. And like you said a couple weeks ago, Jack, I think it's better that he's good in the fourth and mediocre in the other three quarters as opposed to the other way around. Um, if I had to pick one of those two options, I think I'd choose you know being clutch and coming through when it matters um, as opposed to blowing the game. That would be equally, if not more, frustrating. So I'm not too concerned about him. 
I'm, uh, you know, our opponents the next couple games, we have some good defenses coming up. The Packers, you know, they're, they're a little consistent, but they can definitely shut an offense down. And then the Browns and Bengals, Browns especially, probably one of the best defenses in the league. And then the Bengals definitely playing a lot better recently. Um, so we'll see how the next few weeks go. And the last thing I'll say is, you know, I think we should mention the George Pickens saga that happened at the end of last week. I don't really read too much into it. I think sometime in the next few games, we'll have a big game and this will kind of all be a distant memory. It's not a good look to, you know, walk off the sideline and look discontent when, you know, your teammate has broken a, a streak of not scoring for a year plus. But I think at the end of the day, it's it's going to be a non-issue going forward, and I think we'll all forget about this particular incident in a, in a short order. So I'm glad we have this mini buy here and getting ready for uh, the final stretch of our homestand against the Packers. Probably going to be a close game, like all of them are, and uh, it's going to be three hours of anxiety, like every Sunday is. So, what do you think, Jack? Jack was at the game. I think I mentioned at the beginning of the show, but Mm -hmm. tell us about the atmosphere and uh, your perspective of how we played. Uh, Atmosphere was great. Um, Steelers the whole, I mean, you you summed it up pretty well. And I'll start, and maybe I'll only just really talk about Kenny, I guess. Then I I, I feel like general consensus online and not even just like anyone you talk to is like, Kenny's not good. Um, and it it really sucks that he had that performance in prime time where people are watching, <clears throat> everyone's watching. And like when you come out the gate and you miss like four throws that are like clearly on you, um, that's just what sticks in people's mind that like this guy sucks. And like similar similarly, like the first time we the on a national stage people saw Kenny this year was against the Browns on that crazy Monday night game. And then the first drive, he has that bad pick um, in our side of the field uh, to Denzel Ward. So like, I I think that's just the image that people have in mind of him. And they're just kind of writing him off. Um, Now, as for those, uh, he had some pretty bad incompletions. Like there was a pretty egregious one that he missed Deontay on that Deontay didn't even jump for, if you can recall that. Um, yeah, bad throw. Some people online think it was tipped to the line, and I, I tried to slow it down. I couldn't tell. Um, there was another one that Pickens that was like right in front of him. It was just like a six yard crosser, and he just missed him. Pickens could have taken it for like 25 um, ish. There were maybe like th- four, a couple more you could, two or three more maybe you could put on him and. Uh, I mean, that's more than you'd want for a quarterback, but there's even the best quarterbacks, like even the Hurts, even Herbert, Allen, Josh Allen, like those guys, they're going to have like one or two completion, incompletions a game that's like inaccurate. And, um, and that's kind of what Kenny did. It was just really inaccurate. That was so noticeable because like his completion percentage on the night, he was like 19 of 30. That's pretty standard, those 63%. And a lot of, I mean, so like the whatever five we'll just say bad incompletions on him maybe six you could say the rest are mainly throwaways or maybe a defender makes a really good play bats it down so um yeah and he only 160 yards on the night and 
even if he hits those like ones that I highlighted and maybe has his one incompletion that are, is on him, he's maxing out his yardage at like 220 yards. And that's crazy that this offense, an NFL offense is maxed out at 220 yards in the air. Maybe, I guess the way the game game script went is more ugly. If it was more shootout, we can get maybe get up to 250. <laughs> and like, offenses should be maxing out at like 400. It's, um, and like, I, I, I don't think that's the limitations of Kenny because, again, we reference the stat. Everyone knows it, the 400-yard stat. We haven't achieved 400 yards of offense since mid-2020, so that was well before Kenny's time. It's just Matt Canada. Um, so uh, that's where I'm at on it. And then, again, I mean, I, I, I feel like Mitchell said it. Everything just gets scrutinized because he's the quarterback. He's a young quarterback that people want to make a judgment on. Uh, but you got to be patient. You got to be patient. He he barely has a year of games under his belt, so he's still trying to develop. Hopefully, he gets a new coordinator this offseason, and then we can, in my opinion, make a fair assessment of him. Um, so, yeah, I guess that's really all I got. Uh, I'm, this is kind of a, a must-win in my eyes against the Packers. I guess you I, maybe not a must-win, but... Really want to win this game because then we have two tough opponents, divisional opponents, which those games, I mean, they're divisional games and they're Bengals and Browns are both good. They're divisional and they're weird. They kind of can be toss ups. So I'm glad those are tough games coming up. And then both on the road, both on the road. That's yeah, that's also an added element to make it tougher. And then we got an easier quotes, easier stretch of Colts, Cardinals, Patriots, I believe. So. The Packers game, that's a winnable game. Those other three I just mentioned at the end, those are winnable. Really want to capitalize on those. Um, but yeah, I feel I feel all right going into Sunday. Yeah, I don't know how to feel. Um, it, every game's every game's a coin toss. Like it's like I could I feel, I say. Um, oh, sorry. Last thing, and I mean this is just like an obvious excuse, an obvious out. Uh, for why Kenny was inaccurate, but he's only he was like less less than four days off of a, a pretty bad rib injury that knocked him out of Sunday's game against the Jags. I do think that had an impact of how he was throwing. He he said it, or I think he did say it in his presser before a Wednesday before the game that, um, or someone did. I don't know. And it's not even it's obvious. Like you you need those ribs affect the torque that you need to throw strong and confidently. There was a deep ball to Calvin Austin that was maybe slightly underthrown. The defender made a good play on, and he was getting rushed. And like, if he could step into that more confidently, he can get it there. So I really do think the rib injury had an effect. Um, because again, he has a he may have a few of those incompletions, but it's that's not entirely characteristic of him to be missing that badly. Which again, it's a shame that people now think that's who he is because no one's no one's not many are going to pay much attention to him versus the Packers on 1 p.m. in that slate on Sunday. So, yeah, that's it. Uh, Shref, any comments? I, I was going to ask you about the George Pickens thing, but I also agree with what you... I mean, I don't know, man. Receivers do stuff like this all the time. Like, it, it just... Just the way it goes, and I, I think Tomlin, Tomlin talked about it, like you just said, like he, he, he wants to win, he wants to be involved. Like, yeah, I get it. There's probably better ways to go about it, um, but 
That's just kind of the way it goes. So that was one thing. Um, I also do, I, I feel like with Kenny Jeffick, I, I think back to the Pittsburgh and I think it does come back to this offense. Cause you, you mentioned how like, even on like a good Kenny day, you're probably going to top out at like 220 for yards. Like I know he had Jordan Addison at Pitt, but it felt like he was at his best when he was in rhythm and just, just absolutely la- like just launching these throws down the field. His downfield accuracy, I felt like, was always very, very good at Pitt. And I know that this yeah. all comes back to the offense and Canada probably more specifically. But especially with like guys like Deontay and Pickens, like feels like he should be throwing these deep balls more frequently. And I, I know he's missing like the shorter layups. It honestly, I don't want to say this as a as a bad thing, but I, I'm thinking about like more of like his MVP year. Like I remember like how Carson Wentz was, where he would miss like these like just kind of like, dude, like, what was that? Like, kind of shorter throws. But then the very next play, he would step into, like, a 25-yard, like, window throw and would nail it, and you'd be like, oh, I get it. So it's like, it, it's just trying to kind of, you know, find the middle ground there. But I, I I do agree with your points about how I think it's unfortunate that people had to kind of see, like, the early part of that game where if you kind of watch the whole body of work, you'll still find those moments where you're like, I, I see what they're seeing. Yeah, and the last thing I'll say before we get to our picks for this week is I, I think a lot of people say, oh, how are, and myself included at times, how are the Steelers 5-3? and three? They're terrible, which are, they may not necessarily be wrong, but <laughs> I think a main thing that you could point to as why we're pulling out these wins is our, uh, our turnover margin. We're third in the league in turnover differential. We don't really give the ball away and we take it away. Um, and you're going to win games in the league if you continue to do that. And I, I'm looking at Kenny's game logs in the last seven. In So excluding his first four games. He hasn't he's turned the ball over. 17 games since then. He has oh. thrown six interceptions in 17 games. And I think only one lost fumble, which was against the Eagles last year. So... Correct. It's seven turnovers since his last, since, excluding his first four starts. And this year alone, and I, I, I'm probably jinxing it, I don't want to, but I'll I have to say it now. He hasn't turned the ball over, interception or fumble, um, since Week uh, four. October 1st. Yeah, so we're going on six weeks of turnover for football, and that's a big key to the uh, Steelers' success. And like, not, right. I, I bet there's, do you think there's any other quarterback that started every game since then and hasn't turned the ball over? I doubt it. I don't know. That's an interesting thing to think about. But again, I that's not. I think there's a big that's being overlooked a lot. Yes, not putting up a lot of yards, not pulling out of a touchdowns, that needs to get fixed. But you know, when you have a good defense full of superstars that sack the quarterback, get pressure, take the ball away, if you just don't give the ball back to their team, you're gonna win a lot of games. So yeah. that's a positive we could take away from this. Okay. Let's get into sportsbook donation of the week. Last week went swimmingly for myself uh, for two reasons. Number one, I went 3-0, and and I regained a first place in our uh, contest here, making my record 15-12. and I had the, the Eagles minus three, which they won by five. I had Steelers minus two and a half. They won by four. And I had the under in the Germany game, under 50 and a half, and that didn't really get close. The score was 21-14 Chiefs. So I sweep the board. Another reason why is, you know, Jack wasn't here last week. 
Jeff and I thought he was a little bit arrogant, just thinking he could just slide all the way on through and just fade Shreff mm -hmm. and coast his way not through so this contest, but not it so fast. It almost worked. It almost worked. So, you almost so got fast. <laughs> I know you guys watched the end that the Jets almost put oh, yeah. it in there. Oh, yeah. Jack goes one and two. On the flip side, Shreff goes two and one. Jack had the Dolphins plus one and a half. Wasn't close in the first half. They made it a game in the second. Colts minus two and a half. Shreff didn't feel good about that from the moment it came out of his mouth. <laughs> and the Monday night game, Jack had the over uh, 40 and a half for the Chargers Jets. And we just said it came very close at the end. Um, and Shreff had the opposite all, of all of that going two and one. That brings our record through nine weeks to I'm now in first place again, 15 and 12. Jack uh, slides back down to second at 14 and 13, so only a game back of myself. And Shreff, uh, 7, 19, and 1. So, Coming. hey, you're making positive momentum. That's all I guess you can hope for at this point. Trying, all right. With that being said, week 10, here we go. I have the first pick here. Um, I'm going to be going with one that I the line has moved in the opposite direction, which I've wanted it to, but it still didn't scare me in the slightest. I'm going to be going with the Detroit Lions minus three yeah, against the Chargers. Uh, I have a decent amount of stats here. The Lions are 29 and 13 against the spread since Dan Campbell was named the head coach. In 2021, that is a 69.1 cover rate, and that is uh, by far the best in the league in that span. So over the past two and a half seasons, the Lions are covering at a crazy rate. Also with a rest advantage in that same time frame since 2021, uh, the Lions are 6-2 and two against the spread, which is the third best in the league in that span. And they had a bye last week. Chargers also coming off a short week, traveling from... New Jersey to back home to Los Angeles. The Chargers offense looks so bad last week on Monday Night Football. They only had 191 yards of total offense. And, you know, they, they got a punt return. So that contributed to their point total and also benefited some from very good field position based off the turnovers the defense was able to generate. Also, people make, I feel like, a big fuss about Jared Goff's home and road splits. He's much better at home. But the Chargers' home field advantage is pretty much non-existent and doesn't scare me at all. And when you think of a road game, you think of, oh, it's usually he's probably worse outdoors and in inclement weather, but this is obviously a dome game at SoFi Stadium. All these things contributing to, I think, the Lions win by a touchdown plus, and I feel pretty confident in the Lions. Yeah, that was my game. That was my number one game. I like it as nice. well. I was, I was very much considering it. Feels good to take the true 101. Jack, what are you going to do? Um, thought I had it. Oh, I don't. Uh, there are a lot of tough ones. Mm -hmm. There are a few that I really like, and then there's a bunch that I have no idea what to do. I take two totals and one spread. No, you cannot. Get out of here. This guy misses a week and thinks he can rewrite the rule book. Yeah. Uh, I don't love this one. Those are the ones but, that, that those are the ones that hit by 20 points. But um, 
Mm. I'll do it. I'm going to go the Bills, minus 7.5, hosting the Broncos. It, these are two teams, I guess you could say the Broncos are trending up, and then the Bills are definitely trending down. Uh, I still think that they... Like they showed it, they can they can be a juggernaut. They did it against the Dolphins, like they put up forty eight. Um, and in the last couple of weeks, they lost the Bengals, a stinker. They barely put out the win against the Giants at home. But uh, I don't know. They're coming back home. Broncos, I don't trust still. I feel like they can get some juice back and win by eight. Um, so yeah, I'll I'll go there. Sports psychology, the books want you to take the team getting seven and a half. So they want you to take the team seven and a half? Yeah, because like, oh, you get a touchdown and an extra point. You know? Yeah. Like seven if it was six and a half, they'd be like, Oh, you're getting a team that's you know, if they win by a touchdown, that, that that number is very tricky, right. you know. So Yep. Shref, back to back picks. Yeah, I'm debating if I want to I'm debating if I want to get uncomfortable with a bet here. Because there's a line start, that... Start getting comfortable with being uncomfortable, Shrips. I know, because there, there's a line that's that's looking me in the face that based on the last few weeks doesn't really make any sense, which makes me think I should go the opposite direction of it. I'm going to do it. It's, it's, one of, it's another one of those situations where I have nothing to lose at this point, so I might as well go for it. I'm going to take the Niners to cover the three against the Jags. Um, like I said, I think coming into this game, the Jags at home, considering kind of the way these two teams have been trending, uh, feels like the Jags maybe should even be favored in this game. So the fact that they're getting three points is kind of freaking me out a little bit. And on the other side, um, the Niners and the Bills, I think, have kind of had the same stories here where they've looked great. And then the last couple of weeks, it's been like, whoa, what happened? Um, they're getting guys healthy. I believe Debo uh, is trending to play. Um, so they're, they're getting some guys back. And I think this is going to be a great game. But I don't know. It feels like a game where the Niners could definitely kind of reestablish themselves a little and be like, we are still the Niners. Um, and like I said, this is more of just a blind, I don't understand the line, so I'm going to go the opposite way pick. So that's one of them. I love it. That was my uh, my backup, my third option so i'm right there with you i was just is, is it doesn't yeah. isn't it crazy the steelers and the 49ers have the same record <laughs> that doesn't feel right it doesn't, it doesn't but it is all right second one here i'm gonna check and see if i can find some numbers on who the public is on on that game yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, this one's going to be just another... Mm. From what I saw, a quick Google search, it looks like it's pretty even for the public. So. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, this is just going to be a little... This is going to be another vibes pick here. Um, I'm going to take the Titans plus one and a half at the Bucks. Um, I've been liking what I'm seeing out of Levis. Um, last week, I got to watch CJ Stroud take advantage of him down the field. That's what Levis excels at. So I think we're going to see him get to do that a little bit against the Bucks. It feels like the Bucks are definitely trending down um, just a little bit. Uh, but nonetheless, it also, to me, just kind of feels like, I mean, this is a game that both teams kind of need to win to stay a little bit in contention. 
Um, the Titans are kind of, you know, losing their grasp a little bit, and I think this is kind of a must-win game for them. And I feel like the Titans have also kind of been a team this year where they go look good one week, look bad the next week, good the week after that. Um, I thought against the Steelers for the most part, they, you know, it's obviously Monday night in Pittsburgh, you know, it's always a tough place to play, but I, I didn't think they looked uh, very sharp. I think that changes this week, so this is just another vibes pick, but give me the Titans plus one and a half. Yeah, the Bucks got their uh, hearts ripped out of their chest by CJ Stroud and that ridiculous yeah. performance. So, Jack, your second pick. Um... I'm going to go, this is a weird one, I'm going to go over 43.5 in the Falcons-Cardinals game. Okay. I'm back. Uh, yeah, if Kyler's not, I mean, he's. I think he's going to play. If he doesn't, then that'd be a real shame. Then that, this, this, this bet's kind of done. But the past two weeks with Heineke in there, the Falcons offense have, I think, averaged 26. Um, so it's 26. 2717. Um yeah, and like I do think the K- Kyler being back adds something to the Cardinals offense. I mean, maybe it goes back to like what it was with Josh Dobbs. They're they're not they were absolutely horrible on Sunday against the Browns. Great defense and Clayton Toon playing. Only had like zero they had zero points and I feel like a hundred total yards of offense, so um if Kyle was back, I could I could see this getting being like a weird game where not I, I don't know if I'd call it shootout with Heineke involved, but like a kinda. So I could see it getting to forty four. I also think with Heineke, at least from last week, he also makes some just like really dumb throws. So I think you're either gonna get points via them actually moving the ball or Heineke making a dumb throw and giving the Cardinals good field position. True, yeah. It's gonna shock you. Guess how many total team yards they had last week? I, yeah, that it was. It was it under a hundred. Yeah, the number I had was it like eighty three or eighty eight? Fifty eight. Whoa, I didn't realize that. Whoa. <laughs> well, that's in, that's including the sacks for team pass yards. Still counts. Um, they yeah, had 17, 17 team pass yards and forty one rushing yards, and Clayton Tune had twenty eight of those forty one rushing yards. He's in back to back weeks. We had a team have negative nine team passing yards and a team of seventeen. That doesn't happen unless quarterback play is in the mud this year. It is. I feel like I end up saying that every year by this time, but it is. Yeah. All right. So my second pick here is uh, we kind of mentioned them, but I'm going to be going with the Browns plus six against the Ravens. Now, you're not going to find too many trends backing up the Browns because they haven't been t- too good, obviously. But I think six points is a little bit too big of a gap for teams that I view as, I don't want to say equal, but roughly equal. And the Ravens' defense is being touted as one of the best in the league, which it is very good. Um, but I could make a case that it's slightly overrated just by looking at the quarterbacks they face. I'm going to go through the list here. Number one, C.J. Stroud, but it was his first start ever in the NFL. Then they play Joe Burrow, who was clearly injured. Then we got Gardner Minshew, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, Kenny, and then a half of Malik Willis and then Josh Dobbs. 
So this is not the cream of the crop that they're playing. Now they are playing Deshaun Watson. He should be back this week. And, you know, he could fit right into these, uh, the, the quarterbacks that I just mentioned. But I think the defense will keep him in the game. I think the Ravens are riding high off that very big win against the Seahawks. And like I said, I'm not going to call Browns win. I think they could win this game. But I think six points is a little too much. I would have, you know, put it at like four four and a half. So I think the Browns could get it to a field goal type game. And I don't know. It's not my most confident pick, but I like it enough to include it here. So Browns plus six is where I'm going. What do you guys think about that one? I have no problem with it. It's a big spread for a, a division game, let alone a division game with against what seems to be two very good teams or not very good, but definitely good teams. Yeah, and the Ravens are coming off like two huge blowouts. Or no, the Cardinals game wasn't blowout. The the Lions and last week, it's um, they're kind of due to come down. Yeah, I think they they could still win. I'm not. I wouldn't. I actually pick the Ravens to win, but yeah, it could be close. Total night game is very low. It's uh, I just had it in front of me. Thirty-eight and a half. Yeah, it's pretty low. So my total pick, I'm going to be going with the under in the Colts-Patriots game, the second Germany game, uh, back-to-back weeks. Colts defense hasn't been good for the majority of the season, but they played really well last week. Um, Had two pick sixes against Bryce Young and the Panthers. Shut them down. Patriots are another bad offense, so hopefully they can continue that momentum. International games this year, 4-0 to the under. I don't know if you guys realize that, but we had the Jags-Falcons. That was pretty low scoring for the most part. We had the uh, Jags-Bills, which it was pretty close to going over, but I think it was three points uh, to the under. I think it was 48, and it was a f- total was 45. Then we had the Ravens-Titans uh, game, which, was, again, was a pretty close one, but again went under. And then last week, uh, I actually had my pick in the contest here with, with the under in that one, so I'm going to be running it back. I'm also one in three when I pick overs and four and one when I pick unders. So I think overs are bad luck for me and I'm going to be avoiding them until further notice. So Colts, Patriots, under 43 and a half. I just think these offenses aren't too great. I would have thought it would be like 40 at the most. So Yeah. Yeah. I, I honestly didn't even, I didn't, I wasn't looking at this one total. I really like that one. That might be my favorite total. Yeah. That just seems a little too high. I think because I, I like, look at the matchup and, and every week say what I think the spread and the total should be. And this one was by far the biggest disparity. I think I had this one at 38 and a, excuse me, 38 and a half, which is a five point difference. So every other one I did was pr- like pretty much within two or three points, but yeah, I I'm, I'm, I'm pretty confident in that one as well. Jack, your uh, second spread. Um, don't feel too great about betting on this team, but I'm going to take the Steelers. Uh, I feel like kind of good about going in this week. I think we're going to win. And I know Mitchell, you predicted this score to be a one point game. Um, but I think we'll win. And as Mitchell said, the stat, like all our wins are one score games. Like if I could bet on this, I would bet like, I think on some sports, but you can bet like a window of like three to seven, like Steelers win by three to seven or like three to six. I would bet on that. Um, I mean, yeah, no other explanation. I think we'll win and it'll be close, but, um, 
I'll I'll take the risk of like if we're going to win, we'll probably win by three. So I'll take that risk of not getting that two in one point victory. Okay, fair enough. Hope you're right. Shref, what's your total? Um, I'm going to do similar to what you did, Mitchell. I have, I mean, I, my record hasn't been good in general, but I've been better at picking unders than overs. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to stick to my guns on that. Um, this is going to be a weird one just because of the way it looks, but uh, I'm going to take the under 47 in Bengals Texans. Um, I think we've been seeing a lot of CJ Stroud praise for very good reason. He has been absolutely fantastic. I think this Bengals team as a, as a whole is finding their stride, uh, the defense included. Um, I think they're going to continue that. Uh, this Texans team hasn't been able to run the ball effectively at all this season. They're going to be forced to throw it. Um, and I think CJ Stroud, although he's been fantastic still, uh, the rookie quarterback going into a defense that has had this much just like consistency in terms of uh, like a unit that they have. Like it feels like they've had kind of the same defense for the last couple of years here. Um, obviously, they've lost some some pieces here and there, but uh, the core is still there. I think they're going to be able to, you know, find a way to stifle a rookie quarterback a little bit. And then on the flip side for the Bengals, um, obviously finding rhythm with their offense. Jamar Chase uh, hurt this week. Um, still might play, obviously. Um, but even if he does, it definitely won't be at 100%. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, T. Higgins was added to the injury report today. Um, I think he was limited in practice. So it seems like might be going in with your top two guys, not at 100%. Certainly something to look at, but um, yeah, it's, a, it's obviously a high number for, for a reason because of how these offenses have looked the last couple of weeks, but it feels like they're going to kind of combine forces, and I think we might get a, a lower scoring game than we think. All right, very nice. To recap our picks, I have the Lions minus three, the Browns plus six, and the under in the Germany game between the Colts and Patriots. Jack has the Bills minus seven and a half on Monday Night Football, the Steelers uh, minus three against the Packers, and then the Falcons, Cardinals over 43 and a half. And Shreff has the Niners minus three, Titans plus one and a half, and the Texans, Bengals under 47. Two other ones that I liked. I liked the over in the Steelers Packers. It's 38 and a half. Don't know why, but I liked it. And also, I didn't have the uh, balls to pull the trigger here, but the Jets Raiders over 36 and a half. I know Ooh. you could say, oh, it's the Jets offense, but that total is very low. I think everyone's going to be thinking under just because it's two bad offenses, but. Could be some sloppy play, some special teams at defensive touchdowns. I don't know. 36 and a half seems very low. So but I, again, I understand I'm, I'm cursed on I'm cursed on over, so I wanted to avoid them. I, I understand your thought process on that because I was looking at the Jets to cover as one of my picks, but then I was thinking about it more and I was like, Max Crosby's probably gonna end up with like seven sacks. So I was I was going back and forth on it. But I think in some roundabout way we that could end up being like an obli higher scoring game. So I don't disagree with that. All right. Thanks for listening, folks. That is today's episode. I uh, hope your teams are doing well. Your fantasy teams are doing well. It's the home stretch before the playoffs. So get those rosters right for playoff season. And yeah, go football. See you.